Good evening, church. I would like to add a disclaimer. Most times when I get hype, I tend to talk fast, so I'll try to talk slow. <laughs> so, but I do want to get like right into the word. So, if you guys would turn with me to Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen, and please stand for the reading of the word when you're ready. I would put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. This is the word of God. Praise Praise be to God. You guys can be seated. So in my younger years, I grew up with all brothers. Um, We fought for fun and we fought for keeps. It was kind of like we fought as gladiators to show our toughness. Uh, We talked loudly in the same room, as loud as anyone would outside, and we still do. Um, There were moments when we argued so much that my parents had to step in and bring the peace. Uh, As we reached grade school, our homeschool journey began. A set of 10-year-old twins, uh, my 16-year-old brother, and my 8-year-old younger brother in the same household every day created its challenges. There were times that we were so distracted, disobedient, and honestly lazy that school pushed us past the standard eight hours, most time 12 hours. Um, But at the end of the day, my parents showed their love and patience the best way they could. So the reason I'm telling you guys this story is to show that even though our actions were disobedient and lazy, my parents still presented love. Now, as humans, I'm sure they felt and experienced some sorts of frustration. But if my parents or anyone else can show this love in their life, how much more do you think the author of love can show? God is the same not just in our lifetime, but since the beginning. The love and mercy we read about in the Holy Scriptures is the same love and mercy we experience today. And this brings me to the big idea of this sermon, is God's sustaining love. There will be two points. First point is sin's problem. Second point is God's promise. So I would like to provide some sorts of context before I get right into the passage um, and kind of explain what happened before this verse. Prior to this verse we just read, Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God deliberately told them not to eat its fruit or they would die. Even so, the cunning serpent still tempted them to eat this fruit. When they ate, Adam and Eve received the knowledge and experienced shame for the first time. Because they had disobeyed God, they tried to hide from him and covered their naked bodies. When God confronted them, they began to confess and blame each other for their disobedience. In return, they each received a specific punishment. Our passage is part of the serpent's punishment. So now that we have some context, let's dive into the first point, which is sin's problem. Uh, First thing to know is who are the devil's offspring? When we hear about the spawn of Satan or the devil's offspring, we may often think about demons or the Antichrist, 
but it goes deeper than that. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus told a, a group of Jews, you are of your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 33, Jesus calls the Pharisees, who were hypocrites, a brood of vipers. Brood means a group of young animals, in this case, snakes. This reference to vipers connects to our passage, since they are the offspring of Satan, the serpent. These verses show us that the devil's offspring are those who work out his plans to bring bitterness and hostility to others. The devil's offspring are those who seek to take away the glory of God. Satan and his offspring share the same sin nature of lies, anger, self-seeking attitude, deception, and pride. Saints, I would like to encourage us to examine ourselves daily to see if we are living as redeemed sons and daughters of Christ or if we are giving into sin and living like the devil's offspring. Now that we recognize who the devil's offspring are, let's seek to understand the hostility that God placed between the woman and the serpent. The definition of hostility is unfriendliness in opposition to someone else. This hostility in the first sentence of Genesis 3.15 is not just between the serpent and Eve, but for the coming generations. Throughout the Bible, we see this generational hostility played out within the relationship of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4. Cain showed hostility against his brother and against God. His jealousy led to the murderous death of his brother, Abel. As we already read in Matthew chapter 23, the Pharisees, the brood vipers, had a hostility with Jesus. And to this day, there is hostility between Christians and Satan. Saints, I encourage you not to let this hostility steal your joy, but instead give you joy. At times, we may see our Christian faith as a continuous, never-ending fight against sin. This can lead us to questioning God's sovereignty and power, and power simply based on our earthly pain and suffering. Brothers and sisters, we must remember and rejoice in the fact that the fight against Satan has already been won, and the ending has already been decided by our Savior, Jesus Christ. This reminds me of a time when my brother and I used to play football. My older brother, Trevance, was a lot stronger and larger than the rest of us. At the time, he knew more about football than we did, and he still does. If we, so if we were on his team, we knew we were going to trust him and do what he told us to do. In the same way, if we are to trust God's power and sovereignty, we will follow him and joyfully endure suffering for Christ. The hostility that God has placed between us and Satan wasn't made to add suffering to us, but to make way for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking at Genesis, we see the tragedy of Cain's hostility that led to him killing Abel. But Adam and Eve, have ne uh, Adam and Eve had another son named Seth. Our Savior, Jesus, was a descendant from the line of Seth. This is one of the many examples of the never-ending love that our God showed and continues to show us. Despite the hostility of Cain, God's plan was still for redemption. So now this leads us to our second point, which is God's promise. 
we can see the gospel laid out in this one verse. So let's read it again. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So who is this written about? If we look back in the verse, we can see that the person striking the serpent's head is the offspring of the woman. So who is the offspring of the woman? Jesus. Because he was born of the Virgin Mary. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 through 5, it further explains this when it says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. The humble birth of Jesus, born in a manger, which is a feeding trough for animals, was the greatest day on earth. This day was so great, in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the heavenly, the heavenly host praised God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. They knew this was the day that the King of Kings had arrived. The coming of Christ made way for the prophecy in Genesis 3.15 to be fulfilled. In the second sentence of this verse, God gave his mercy and love by promising that Satan would be not just defeated, but be humiliated. Satan attempted to reverse the curse and strike the woman's seed through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, but in fact, he was fulfilling God's promise. You will strike his heel. In return, Jesus defeated death, and the glory was given to God, fulfilling the promise, you, he will strike your head. The hostility between the serpent and the man was not placed between us to frustrate us, but to experience God's mercy and love. Because we know that to be for Jesus, you must be against Satan. Church, is, if, if there is anything I would want you to remember tonight, it's because we have access to Christ through faith alone. We can rest in his power and the power he gives us as seen in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. It states, Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will ever harm you. Brothers and sisters, we have power and protection in Christ. Through Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection, we see God's ultimate display of his sustaining love. God never changes, but we do. Our struggles in life are not reflections of God's character, but our battle against sin. Would you all pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are in awe of your power and love for us. We do not deserve it, but you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. I pray that you do not grow weary in our battle with sin, but stand firm by the power of your spirit. I pray that we will show love to others as you have shown love to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. amen.